I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spikes. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty-gritty so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... Count Dante. Who was Count Dante? Well, he was a martial artist who advertised his instructional books in the back of comics, ripped off students claiming to be able to teach them the highly effective dance of death martial arts form, and ultimately led his students in the Dojo Wars, where he literally laid siege to a rival dojo, surprise attacking them in a huge brawl where somebody died. Not everything you read in the funny pages is true, kid. Count Juan Rafael Dante was born John Timothy Kean on February 2nd, 1939. His home was Beverly, Chicago, and he was born into a well-to-do Irish-American family. His father, Jack, was a physician and eventual director of Ashland State Bank. His mother, Dorothy, was a socialite and stay-at-home caretaker. She was notable for her social misadventures that even made it into the society pages of the Chicago Tribune multiple times. Kean attended Mount Carmel High School and took up boxing as a young man. He practiced his craft at Johnny Colon's 63rd Street Gym. After graduating school, he joined the Marine Reserves and later the Army, where he learned hand-to-hand -hand combat and some jujitsu skills. From here, he trained under purportedly various martial arts masters during the early years of the Western expansion and growing cultural interest into Asian martial arts. Most notably, Dante studied under Sensei Robert Trias. How do I, John Timothy Kean, young Irish Catholic boy, ethnically filibuster anybody I come in contact with to the point where, like, there's no way I'm getting away with thinking, them thinking I'm Asian. But if I can just, like, racially confuse them somewhere <laughs> in there, they're going to think, like, oh, this guy must have some ancient martial arts blood or something. <laughs> My name is Count Juan Rafael Dante. <laughs> yeah, dude. And I have like a crazy satanic beard that's like sculpted. Oh, I love I love his beard. His beard is the best part. Let's watch this little interview with him and then we'll we'll talk about his very distinctive appearance. The International Karate Championships are being held in Chicago this Sunday, and the people here in the Imperial Academy of Fighting Arts are getting ready for it. The man behind the championships is Mr. John Kean. Well, Mr. Kean, what's karate all about, anyway? Well, karate is an oriental means of self-defense, which is now used as a sport. Is it very popular in the United States? Well, it's very popular, especially here in Chicago, which is about the uh, strongest concentration of karate in this country. Why? What is the attraction of this kind of thing? Well, you have all of the uh, same aspects that you have in boxing, but it's a lot faster and uh, a lot more effective. The one boy here is Raymond Cooper. He's the national karate champion. He's the one on the left now. That's correct. Now, the screaming, this is uh, to increase power, to try to frighten your opponent and give added strength to your techniques. Does it work? Yes, very effectively. The Marines have been using this in the Army for quite a few years. Well, how seriously can you injure someone just with your hands or your feet? Well, you can very easily kill someone if you know how to hit them and where to hit them. This is the whole thing. The, uh, the trained over the untrained. Lady! Lady! 
as you can see, there are quite a few blows that have been slipped in here, kicks and punches, and you can very definitely see that they could have been extended and caused quite a bit of damage to the opponent. Well, what about this business of breaking uh, bricks and boards with your bare hands and your bare feet? What's that all about? Well, that is strictly, uh, shall we say, a showmanship type of uh, aspect of karate that uh, shows the power or the uh, strength you know, that can be contained within the human body. Could we see some of that? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, here we have uh, Douglas Dwyer. He's one of my head instructors here. And he's going to demonstrate the breaking of hard objects, which happens to be, you know, common house face brick. Is there a trick to this, Doug? No, there's no real trick to the art itself. It's developed through speed, form, and power. It's like that of an air hammer going into concrete, 90 or 100 pounds behind a point of it. That's how it's broken by impact. Does it work every time? No, it doesn't work every time. You can miss by just a quarter of an inch to a half inch on something this heavy. Let's see how it works. Well, there they went. How much do you want to bet that that brick was broken Yeah, it was already. pre-broken. For 100%, it was pre-broken. interested in that? Well, I went to the World Karate Tournament last year, and... Oh, yeah, you know, uh, you know I, I mean, I'm, we're here at the dojo. Uh, I just got back from the Cubs game. I had myself a hot dog. I did not dare put any ketchup on it, though. Um... Then I, I was a little bit hungry afterwards, so I had myself a deep dish pizza. Well, we call it stuffed pizza here, but a lot of people call it deep dish. So I'm trying to just accommodate that. Uh, but I'm here at the dojo now, and we're studying karate. So yeah, it's a, you know it's an ancient art. We're you know we're out here, we're doing it uh, once again. That's karate. I love the idea too that like they're they're trying to put the correct pronunciation on it, but they're not even saying karate. They're saying karate. They're just like, they're, it's just jangling around in their mouth. Just, and it's just juxtaposed with their like heavy or his Count Dante's like heavy Illinois accent. Yeah, that's the thing that's so funny. I didn't know he had that accent before doing research for this episode. Because, you know, I know him from the comic book ads where he's like this, you know, screaming graphic, you know, his hands outstretched about to strike distinctive facial hair, you know, wearing a black gi. And when that guy goes like, oh, you know, we're just here with the karate. And we're just trying to get everybody so they can defend themselves out here, you know. Yeah, he's just he sounds like my wife's dad. Amazing. I hope your wife's dad is Count Dante. Like, I hope he's, I hope he's in hiding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's yeah, he shaved the beard. I didn't recognize him at first. But then one day, I, but then one day I was talking to him and he, we were talking about we were talking about movies. I was like, what's your favorite movie? And he was like, uh, you know, I'm partial to Karate Kid. And I was like, oh, Count Dante. <laughs> but he loves the Jackie Chan Karate Kid. Yeah. <laughs> with with Jaden Smith. <laughs> I love that idea. That's why Jaden is named Jaden. She's named after. Oh, yeah. She he named her after that, even though that movie came out in, like, 2011. <laughs> my personal, my close personal friend, Jackie Chan, uh, I, I, I got to name my, 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 my firstborn daughter after uh, the actor in the movie that he's in, which is my favorite film, The Karate Kid. Uh, just for the listener, every time Spandrew is saying karate, He's like arching his back and tilting his head down in this super funny, stupid way. Like, it's really good. I wish that you could see 
that his he's saying it with his whole body. His whole body is saying karate. Well, that's that's what it feels like when you watch when they say it. They're like they're speaking in this like this monotone, not monotone, but this this really like even way that people from the Midwest speak when they're talking where it's like and you kind of, you know, you hear like the way that like Bill Murray talks in Caddyshack or the way that the 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 uh those two Canadian guys that Rick Moranis and Bob Thomas or Dave Thomas play in Second City or SCTV is that what is that? whatever, but that way that they kind of speak very like even. Uh, so it's like that, like oh yeah, so blah blah blah, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do this, Karate! like it, it just like it like jumps out of them. The it's the uh, the the even the concept of anything remotely ethnic or non just like white as the driven snow just like causes their bodies to go into like convulsions (laughs) it's just like their body's trying to stop them from saying it yeah yeah uh so we got some photos here spandrew of our guy count dante count dante what uh what does this guy look like (laughs) it's count dante looks like when he brings a woman back to his house, when he opens his bedroom door, a flashing red light automatically comes down from the ceiling and then like Barry White music starts playing. And then a little cup comes up from a little like a little like trap door on a table and then just a, a roofie just drops into it. And that happens every time he opens his bedroom door. Count Dante looks like the gym teacher from hell. Count Dante looks like he saw Iron Man in 2008 in the theater and it changed his life. Count Dante looks like the type of guy who went to a an all-black barbershop and was like, just fuck my face up, bro. Yeah, he and 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 more importantly, and we kind of did it backwards, but like the 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 voice that comes out of Count Dante does not match the image that he presents in his photography. He's he's like he's got this he's almost kind of he's got this look of like all like an Anton LaVey almost kind of look. And that's funny because Anton LaVey also kind of has like a voice that's like not really doesn't match his image when he talks. It's like, "Oh, you sound like that?" You expect you expect him to be like, "Hello, I'm Count Dante." or something. And then he's like, "Oh, how you you have you get a, you get a, a seltzer water from the fridge out, out out back before you come in here?" Like he he just and Count Dante, he's like he's wearing this like turtleneck with like a black, I don't know what it is, a blazer or maybe that's a gi. I don't know what he's wearing in this picture because it's like it's a headshot and also it, the blacks are completely blacked out. He's wearing some kind of black blazer or something like that. And then, you know, his hair is kind of quaffed in this way where he's got like the sides are kind of like cropped tight and then he's got sort of like almost like a almost like a pompadour type thing or like a like a mini pompadour type thing. I don't know what you would describe that haircut as. And then he's just got this like etched like facial hair that like I like, like I alluded to, it looks like Tony Stark's facial hair from the Iron Man movies. But it's not just Tony Stark because he has long sideburns that have been sculpted to come halfway down his face and then a goatee that has artificial swoops sculpted into it and then a beard line that runs back towards his 
uh, the corners of his jawline and then doubled back through like an arch that curves twice towards the center of his face. Yeah, almost like they're like ram's horns. Yeah, it's fucking crazy looking. But then he just sounds like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably why he looks like this. He's trying to compensate for his... Uh... Oh, hey, how's it going? Uh, so next up, we have an image of one of the ads. Um, we're going to get to this in a minute, but one of the ways that Count Dante really cemented himself in the cultural consciousness as this kind of cult figure in the 1970s was through ads in men's magazines and comic books. Um, do you want to read a little bit of this ad and describe it a little bit? So it's, it's a picture of Count Dante in kind of like a vaguely martial arts pose. And it says, it says, now the world's deadliest fighting secrets can be yours. The Supreme Grand Master of the Black Dragon Fighting Society brings you the forbidden secrets of Dim Mach, the Death Touch, the deadliest man alive. Bringing you these forbidden and secret fighting arts is the Supreme Grand Dragon of all the fighting arts, Count Dante, who won the World Overall Fighting Arts Championship, Master and Expert Divisions. After defeating the top judo, boxing, wrestling, karate, karate, Gung Fu, uh, Aikido, etc., etc., it says etc., masters in death matches, quote unquote. On August 1st, 1967, the World Federation of Fighting Arts crowned the Count, quote, the world's deadliest fighting master. Amazing. He's just like the greatest fighter alive. You just open up the comic book and this dude's just this, this dude is just the greatest fighter alive. The next photo we have here uh, is from the mid-1970s, and it's Count Dante and a bunch of people from his dojo all wearing matching red sweatpants, white or uh, black pullover sweatshirts with the logo of the gym on them. And there are, a lot of them are barefoot, and some of them are wearing matching high-top converse. And they're, they're all poised, uh, posed against a red wall, posing with their arms out for this photo. And it looks like the craziest disco album cover ever. Yeah, yeah, this, this, looks, like, this looks like the cover to like a bread album or perhaps Fog Hat. The final image we have here is the cover to Black Belt Magazine, uh, which features our boy, Count Dante, on the cover, screaming into the camera, holding out his hands in claw shapes and the cover copy says count dante's inferno what it's really all about exclusive full contact sport karate goes international yeah it's interesting you know looking back through episodes that of deep cuts we've we've touched on this before here and there we talked about it i think quite a lot on the miss cleo episode but also you know it was discussed in the james hydrick episode as well and the the Frank uh, Frank Ducks was that his Dukes Frank Dukes. Well, I, I remember that we were pronouncing it wrong the whole time, and then we we were we we said Ducks. His name is Frank Dukes. Okay, Frank Dukes. Yeah, the, we were talking about it in the Frank Dukes episode as well. I forget which episodes which parts were talked about, but like this manner of kayfabing that you're just like this world class fighter who's just defeated the countless people and all these championships and things. It's so funny because simultaneously, this just can't happen anymore. Like nobody can do this anymore. No one can just be like, yeah, 
I'm the fucking Mr. Satan of this world and I can just like trick you. I can just say that I'm this amazing fighter and you'll just believe me because I can just like smoke and mirrors it and get myself onto all these magazine covers. It's like it can't be done anymore. This just doesn't like there's no way that you could fake this anymore. But simultaneously, this has just become like what politicians are like. They just they just go out and just kayfabe that they're politicians and also like business leaders like CEOs and tech moguls and things like that. They just like go out and they're just like, I'm a mega genius. And everyone's like, oh, my God, he's a mega genius. Like, that's just that's just how politics and business are now. It's just all these Count Dante's. The Count Dante paradigm. Yeah, but it's so weird because like you can't you couldn't do this anymore. Like you couldn't literally say you're like a master martial art. Like somebody would immediately be like, no, you're not like you don't have you've never fought in any of these. Cha-. Like they could they could track down all this data in like a second and prove that you're lying. But politicians and like business leaders, arguably way more important than some random Yahoo saying that they're a martial arts master. They can just be like, yeah, I'm a fucking political genius and everything I'm doing is 4D chess and I'm always one step ahead. And that time whenever I like trafficked a 17 year old girl across state lines and clearly did something weird with her, that was all part of my plan. That was to expose the real pedophiles. (laughs) Keon was the Midwest director of the U.S. Karate Association, the USKA, until 1962. He left that organization in 1964 to form the so-called World Karate Federation. In Chicago, Kian co-promoted America's first full-contact style martial arts tournament at the University of Chicago on July 28, 1963. And he hosted many other such tournaments throughout the 1960s, pairing practitioners of different styles against each other. During this period, Kian heavily promoted his martial arts practice through comics and men's magazines. Kian also worked as a hairdresser at this time, which is the best version of a pivot here. Like the reason this dude's hair is amazing is because he was a professional fucking hairdresser. Yeah, he's he's getting high on his own supply. I love it. He's a real life fucking don't mess with the Zohan. Although that guy was a real life guy as well. That movie is loosely based on a true story. All right, let's watch a little bit of this. It's at 325 from this little mini doc thing. television he was on what's my line uh i've got a secret all of this kind of stuff he he was doing but um his problem starts when in 1960 when he opens the doors to his schools and he welcomes everybody the police had a very negative attitude about martial arts people they gave me holy hell trying to open up the school because they really didn't want uh, young kids, especially young black kids, learning how to fight and how to disarm a person, how to use self-defense, because it, it was looked at it more negative than positive. John Keen welcomed black students, Hawaiians, you know, uh, Lithuanians. You know what I mean? When you look at a picture of his school during that period, it's like the United Nations. This isn't what martial arts schools look like. It, it, it was what Black Belt called the element that he was teaching. The day that I went to uh, to the tournament in 1964, this was like bare knuckles on concrete floors. Teeth flying across the ring and people stopping the match to go look for them. These are all things that when I learned about, when I was, went back and looked at the story of John Keane, 
was about sorting out the truth from the fiction. There was so much bullshit around this man's name, you know. It's like, well, if I never knew, if I had never met him when I was 11 years old, I don't think I'd be doing this thing, you know what I mean? Because I would only know him from the Dojo War and the World's Deadliest Fighting Secrets. John and the boys would go out and, and so often, you know, let's test what we... Count Dante, he's got, a, he's got a Tony Stark beard and a Benetton heart. After becoming disillusioned with the way Americans were organizing and proliferating karate in the States, he decided to create his own martial arts practice. Any guesses what it is, Spandrew? Other than I can see it right here. Hey, audience, how about you take a guess? What do you think it is? Nope. What is it, Dave? He has two, two versions of it. He, but the first version is Dante, D-A-N dash capital T-E, Dante. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, it, it, could, it could be nothing else. If it was anything other than that, I'd be pissed off. You're not a fan of Cara Dante? Because that's his other, the other one he does is Cara Dante. <laughs> I mean, even he had to be like, yeah, this one's fucking stupid. Like, he's taken an existing word and then just did, like, a weird portmanteau with his made-up name that has no meaning. Kean grew disillusioned with conventional karate instructions, focus on ceremony, tradition, and protocol over what he viewed as, quote-unquote, effectiveness, and began developing his own style that he would promote as street effective. Through these efforts, he developed a system known as the Dante system, or Dance of Death, or sometimes Karadante. Theoretically, by learning all these steps of Kian's Dance of Death, you could thereby become an effective fighting master. Let's watch some. Uh, let's watch some of this footage of him fighting a guy in a dojo in the mid 1960s. Dante system slash Dance of Death slash Karadante. <laughs> I love I love Karadante. I'm not gonna lie to you. I love Karadante. There he is. He's in a black gi with a red belt. And uh, he's doing a demonstration of this martial arts against a man in a uh, full face mask. They're kind of circling each other. The assailant attacks him and he slams him to the ground. And now they're just kind of hugging on the ground and Dante's neck chopping him. Dante is just getting on top of a guy and then just beating him like a gorilla. Just wailing on him with your arms like an animal. <laughs> it's so bullshit because the guy that's fighting him isn't fighting back. So he's just like, you know, he's a he's a patsy or whatever for this exercise where he's this just kind of like... This is the dumbest bullshit I've ever seen. Also, it's, it's got to be mentioned that the days of the Tony Stark chiseled beard are gone. And we've got Count Dante. I don't know what time. Uh, 1975. We got Count Dante with the combo mini afro and Amish beard. I don't think this is from 75. I think this is from like the, the early 70s. Oh, this is just saying that was that was just saying his 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 uh, lifespan. Spoiler alert. But yeah, he wins. He beats the guy and walks away. Whatever time it is, he looks. He looks like. He looks like fucking. 
Kung Fu Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, Kung Fu Abraham Lincoln is a really good way of... But yeah, there, there's... Uh, Demonstrating Karadante. It's not a particularly convincing... Uh, exhibition of Karadante. No, he's just... He's fighting like his alcoholic uncle. Like he's demonstrating it on just some schlubby dude. And it looks like shit. Karadante is not... Doesn't look cool at all. It looks fucking dumb. Yeah. Alright, here we go. Ready? It's just... It's just bitch slaps. That's what Karadante is. It's, it's jumping on somebody. Yeah. And he keeps, like, miming, like, ripping out someone's throat. But it's like, that's just not... <laughs> You're not doing it. I can mime that, too. I took, I took space work classes. All right, we get the idea. <laughs> okay, like, Karadante looks like shit. It, it looks so stupid and so fake and not... It doesn't even look visually impressive it just it just looks like an idiot fucking doing like it looks like it looks like jack black like pretending to do martial arts like like it's just it's it's fucking nothing <laughs> In 1967 Kean legally changed his name to Count Juan Rafael Dante explaining the name change by stating that his parents fled Spain during the Spanish Civil War, changed their names, and obscured their noble heritage in order to effectively hide in America. This is despite the fact that the surname Dante actually is of Italian origin. For those who don't remember, Count Dante's was the protagonist of Alexander Dumas' 1844 classic The Count of Monte Cristo. Kean was prone to boasts that furthered his reputation, his most notorious one being that he'd participated in secret quote-unquote death matches in Thailand and China, winning by killing opponents in front of crowds of thousands. Bro, I could fucking destroy Count Dante. <laughs> if those are his moves, I could... You could just sit on him and he'd just crumple. Like, he's like a, he's not a particularly big dude. His comic book ads during this time tout him as the deadliest man alive. One had only to mail order for his instructional booklet, World's Deadliest Fighting Secrets, in which he outlined the purported dance of death. A.K.A. just going Donkey Kong on somebody, just jumping on them and wailing your arms around and then bitch slapping them a couple times. To also receive a free Black Dragon Fighting Society membership card. These comic book ads account for much of Dante's lasting notoriety in pop culture. An excerpt of one reads, Yes, this is the deadliest and most terrifying fighting art known to man. And without equal, its maiming, mutilating, disfiguring, paralyzing, and crippling techniques are known by only a few people in the world. An expert at Dim Mak could easily kill many judo, karate, kung fu, aikido, and gung fu experts at one time with only fingertip pressure using his murderous poison hand weapons. Instructing you step by step through each move in this manual is none other than Count Dante, the deadliest man who ever lived. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. The Black Dragon Fighting Society was founded by Count Dante and is an American martial arts organization 
and has no connection and should not be confused with the Japanese Black Dragon Society, the ultranational secret society that was formed during the 1930s and 40s. <laughs> so he did he did the thing like Lee Harvey Oswald did where he he there was like a I forget the name of it, but there was this uh, Cuban communist uh, organization and he wanted to join it and they were like, no. And so he just like started his own chapter without their permission. And they were just like, yeah, this guy is not part of our organization. He's just some random crazy guy. And he's like, no, I'm the leader of the Florida chapter. And they're like, no, no, like we have nothing to do with this guy. Our boy Count Dante was a big personality. And as such, he rubbed people the wrong way. He made many enemies in the local martial arts scene in Chicago. This culminated in what is now termed as the Dojo War incident of April 24th, 1970. Dante and some of his students performed a raiding party and descended upon the Green Dragon Society's Black Cobra Hall. According to press coverage, upon entering the school, they claimed to be police officers and attacked several of the dojo's students. The brief battle resulted in the death of one of Dante's friends, Jim Konsevic. He had been stabbed in the neck after being brutalized by other Chinese weapons. He was bleeding from the neck profusely. He fell in the street. 20 feet down from the from the door here and died. John was there when the police showed up, standing over Jim Konsevich's body. Well, first of all, I didn't believe it. You say, well, is this what martial arts is all about? I think it did a great disservice to the martial arts at that time. John called, and when your sensei called, you know, I mean, even, even today, people have these feudal relationships with their instructors, but they'll do anything, you know, they'll, they'll do anything to be, they, they adhere to this feudalistic philosophy uh, of, you know, your loyalty to the teacher and things, you know, and, um, and to his detriment, to Jim Consovic's detriment, he went along with this thing. I think we need to recognize the past in order to move into the future. John was a man that, that brought it to this area of the country. He's the person that was, that was somewhat is the, the dynamic figure. I think that it will aid us to know a little bit about our history and, and where we all came from. And all of us came from John to a certain degree. John has a lot of grandkids out here. We owe a great deal to John. So I think Floyd is doing us all a great service. Before he died, before I saw notice that he had died of bleeding ulcers, I saw notice that he had died in Mexico in a death match. And this is something in Black Belt Magazine. I was like, died in a death match. I said, here, there. And, and, and I was like, everybody else, there John goes again, spreading rumors about himself. And I was like, oh my God, another story. What am I going to do with this stuff? You know. So what's the more info on the the dojo wars like i i want to know more about how this happened i want to know what how it started why they were doing it yeah i couldn't find much so the the two kind of stories that i found were one that count dante and a bunch of his homies would go out to the local bars and like basically just start shit with people to see if their martial arts skill if dante was working and a lot of the times they just got their ass beat so that's one story and then the other story is he has bad blood with all these other dudes around the Chicago area. And it seems like he feels ownership over 
martial arts and like he thinks that he's the one who really kind of is pushing and developing it and building a following for it so when other people are building these dojos around town he's really pissed off and then somehow i think those two stories collide but i i couldn't really figure out what the fuck was going on there and they just basically go to this rival dojo's build the rival building try to beat the shit out of everybody and this guy john or uh Jim uh, Konsevec ends up getting stabbed and dies. Yeah, so you 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 start this fake, weird, bullshit, half kayfabe battle, and the other people are just like, what the fuck are you doing? And then not only do you just like lose and make a fool of yourself, but you just get one of your friends killed over a fake battle that just didn't need to exist. He, he just saw a Chinese connection with Bruce Lee and was like, we're going to go do that. That's I mean, that's that you're you've never been more right about anything in your entire life. Like he literally like that's why I'm saying like this fake battle, because this isn't this isn't like this isn't like, oh, like a mentally ill person who lashed out based on some kind of paranoid delusion. It could have some aspect of that, but more so. It's a guy who's just like, I want to go do a cool battle. That's like literally all it is. And so he goes and he atta- like launches a siege on a de- on a, on what let's once again just like reiterate is just another little small business school to teach little white kids the basics of karate. <laughs> like that's what it is. There's a million we talked we talked on the we talked on the on the Miss Cleo episode about how many fortune teller shacks are throughout or littered throughout where you live, um, there's a there's a karate dojo on every street corner in Burbank. White suburban children fucking love karate. You know what they love even more? Karadante. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna open up a karadante dojo down here. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a fucking millionaire. That's the thing they don't tell you. The to open up a karadante uh, practitioner shop, you have to kill somebody. Like you have to sacrifice. Like this Jim Kursevek guy. There was a sacrifice. That was a joint sacrifice in order to get the the real spirit of Karadante. Oh, I mean, I I got it all. Ta- I got it all on lock. There's this there's this building. There's this small building on the street corner right across the street from my house. It used to be this thing called Retro Dairy. That's giving that's giving away too much information about where I live. If you know what this place is, um, it was actually in a in a scene from. La La Land, whenever Ryan Gosling is sitting and having coffee and staring across the street at this club that he wants to buy and turn into a jazz club, that that shot across the street from my house, he's sitting at that at this place called Retro Dairy. Um, but it used to be this little, it's like a drive-through convenience store. There's two ends of it where you can drive a car through and you just order stuff and they bring it out to you. And in theory, that sounds cool. But the issue with it, I, I think, because it went out of business, the issue with it, I think, my theory, is that the concept of a drive through convenience store is really cool. Like, oh, I just drive through and just be like, oh, can I get some milk and eggs? And then they bring it out to you and you pay or whatever. However, running down to a corner store to pick up milk and eggs when it's like a block away or even across the street, nobody who lives close in the neighborhood is going to want to get into their car and drive 30 yards over to go through a drive through and nobody far enough away to need to drive a car is going to come to some little dinky convenience store in a neighborhood. So it just doesn't make any sense. So that went out of business. So I'm going to, I'm going to turn that into my Cara Dante dojo. And in terms of the sacrifice, 
there's a homeless guy that lives. Uh, uh, <laughs> moving on. Hey, man, I, homeless homeless people are just people. Like I could I could sacrifice some random person from a house, or I could kill the homeless guy. Like I'm, you know. No, it's way better to kill a fully functional member of society. Oh, I oh, sorry, I didn't I didn't real. Okay, I get it. I. I I didn't realize that that was like a problematic thing. So I, I will kill one of the moms in the house next door. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Because the psychic trauma of, uh, you know, a stay at home mom who has children that she cares for, you know, that you're not you're you're sacrificing the mom, but you're also getting the psychic trauma of all the kids and, you know, the partner. Oh, so it's like compound compounding that, that it, it has to have maximum psychic trauma to for the for the ritual to work. I get it. Yeah, for every person who's impacted by it, you gain one hair in your Count Dante swoopy satanic beard. Oh, that's that's why he had the the chin strap like Abraham Lincoln beard because he had achieved full psychic trauma. He had killed enough souls. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Former mob lawyer Robert Cooley stated in his autobiography, When Corruption Was King, stated that he represented Count Dante during the trial following the 1970 Dojo War incident. Cooley recalls that Dante was ultimately acquitted, but not before both sides were given a stern lecture by the judge, citing that everyone was at fault. This is hilarious to me that it's like, all right, we know somebody died. And we know all of you guys are to blame, but all of you guys are to blame not to the degree that we're actually going to put any of you in jail. Well, it's kind of funny because, like, I agree with I agree with the statement of, that the judge says on its face. It's kind of like what I was saying before. This isn't like some mastermind cult leader who manipulated a bunch of people into doing something. This is just some a bunch of fucking idiots who just thought it would be cool to have a battle. Like, that's literally what it is. And yeah, sure, Count Dante was the ringleader. But this is just a bunch of bored kung fu film fans who are just like, that'd be badass. So I agree with that. But the idea of like, you know, you you guys are just a bunch of you're just you're just horsing around. You're a bunch of you're a bunch of you're a bunch of rapscallions. Just knock it off. Not get get out of my courtroom and knock it off. When somebody died, like somebody somebody's got somebody died. Somebody's got to get in trouble for that. The judge, as everyone's walking out of the courtroom, turns around and he psychically grows the Count Dante beard. <laughs> He's my own dojo. I'm going to build it in that place where they shot La La Land. Cooley also suggests that Dante was the mastermind in the notorious 1974 Chicago Perlator vault robbery in which the amount of $4.3 million was stolen. While not one of the suspects in the trial, Dante was allegedly questioned by Illinois grand jury and ultimately passed a lie detector test. Dante died shortly before the trial was completed, which resulted in the conviction of all but one person involved. Oh my God! Imagine like we're talking about we're talking about Count Dante as this doofus fake martial arts charlatan, but imagine if in reality what he actually was was a mastermind cat burglar, and his like shitty Count Dante persona was just a cover. I would love that. I don't believe it for a second, but God damn it, I want it to be true. That that's I mean that's that's the saving grace. John Keehan, a.k.a. Count Dante, died on May 25th, 1975, of internal hemorrhaging caused from a bleeding ulcer. Um, R.I.P. Count Dante. 
Probably should have gone to the doctors a little bit more for a checkup. Yeah, you could. You were so you were so concerned about fucking laying siege on rival dojos. You didn't just go to your annual physical. So the things that are really interesting about Count Dante to me, other than the goofy theatrical Dante martial arts spectacle of it, is that mostly he's not even really remembered for the thing that he did. But he's remembered for those ads in men's magazines and comics. And I think that's something that's really novel and kind of like almost presages the way that we remember people now. You know, like we were talking a couple days ago about maybe doing an episode about that brief moment in the early 2000s where like there were celebrity infomercial hosts, you know, like Billy Mays or the Slap Chop guy. And in some ways, you know, Charles Atlas and Count Dante are like, the progenitors of those types of people where they're really known for being in commercials. Same thing kind of with, what's her face? Um, uh, Call me now, Miss Cleo, you know, almost kind of in the same way that Miss Cleo was mostly known for appearing in commercials as a psychic rather than being a psychic that was well regarded or known. Um, And I think that's really interesting that even all these, you know, decades later, people still know who Count Dante was due to that commercial kind of attempt that he was doing. Yeah. And like putting the putting the ads in comic books specifically uh, is is, you know, that choice alone. I feel like you hit you hit kids at the exact age where they just can't fathom that something would be fake or like a lie. Because I remember I remember just seeing sea monkey ads in comics when I was a kid and just like I just thought like yeah the you just you can get these things and you put them into water and they turn into these little fucking sea monkeys that the pictures of them that they would draw on in the ads are always like they were just like humanoid little sea creatures with like wearing like crowns and carrying like tridents and shit and I, I just thought that was real I thought that was just how how it worked and then getting older and it's like, oh, it's like it's fake. Like it's not real. Like it's the krill shrimp or whatever. And they're freeze dried. And whenever you get them wet, they just like come back to life, I guess. And but they're just these little like krill shrimp and then they die after like a day or whatever. And I, and I think that it's the same thing where it's like little kids reading these comic books. It's like, oh, this guy is like the deadliest man in the world. Like you have no perception that that could be not true. So just by it's almost like the opposite, like the Ty Lopez, the here here in a garage guy, like he became famous because because every, he was a he was a joke. Like everyone was like this fucking dumbass. Like this is like his video became a meme. People made fun of him. He became like the butt of a joke. And that's why he got famous. I think that if Count Dante started was living today and he was making YouTube ad commercials where he was presenting himself as this master of martial arts trying to sell people on Cara Dante, he would also become a meme for being a, a laughing stock joke. But because of the audience that he targeted at the particular time, he became famous because there's like there's a generation of kids who were just like, yeah, that guy's like a magical martial arts uh, fucking genius, deadliest man in the world. I love the idea, too, that the deadliest man in the world would be someone who would market themselves as the deadliest man in the world, you know, like not some, you know, Merc for hire, you know, Navy SEAL, whatever, but a dude who like traffics in, I am the deadliest guy. Give me money, please. Well, it's like it's yeah, it's that. And also the whole laying siege to the 
to the other rival dojo and the thing about how you said like some like allegedly they would go out to bars and just like get into fights to see if their martial arts skills were working or whatever like every martial arts movie i've seen in the in my life has taught me the exact opposite of that like it's the trope like you know martial arts is not an offensive te- uh, skill it's a defensive skill you only use it when you have to and if you use it you've already failed like that like it's like the literal opposite of that the uh the other thing that's really interesting to me is the idea that he would kind of be this weird underground cult figure in the 60s and then as martial arts movies start gaining steam in the 70s things start picking up and he kind of becomes almost like a prototypical definition of what masculinity is shooting for in the 70s from outlandish hair to over the top um you know aggressive tendencies to uh you know this kind of like hyper aggressive anger fueled masculine masculinity where the you know the masculinity in the 60s is much more kind of free love you know let's get high drop out you know version uh, compared to the 50s where it's it's very um, post-World War II, button up, you know, uh, baby boomer, you know, I'm going to buy a house and, you know, have six kids or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it, that's all, everything you just described was just written like a tapestry in his beard. You saw the evolution. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think my final thoughts are Caradante and Dante are just hilarious names and they're way too good for him not to uh, have succeeded. You know what I mean? Like, I know he marted, marketed it as dim, dim mock, uh, and and uh, you know the, the the death dance or whatever. But he really should have leaned into that Caradante. That's really funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think my final thoughts are kind of jumping off of that. Is like banking off what I said before. I don't think he would have been famous if it wasn't for the comic book ads. Because without the comic book ads. In terms of just developing a martial arts style and presenting himself as this kayfabe martial arts master or whatever, like he was just way too bumbling and dumb to pull it off, I think. Like he was not charismatic. His martial arts skills, like visually, just did not look impressive. He wasn't, he was not selling himself like in person, like on video, over audio. Anytime, anytime you would see him as a person, existing and behaving he did not sell his 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 uh vision in any way so i mean that's why it failed yes caradante is amazing but count dante himself was just kind of a dumb idiot who just got famous because he had one good idea which was like posting ads in comic book uh pages where he could hide all of he could hide all of the shitty things that he wasn't good at. Just goes to show you, you only need one good idea, you know? You can build a persona and uh, rebuild yourself from the ground up, um, discarding elements of yourself that you don't believe reflect who you want the world to see you as through one good idea. Yeah, <clears throat> and if he was a little bit smarter, maybe he would have just stuck to that, like... I'm not going to go around like starting dojo wars and bullshit. I'm just going to sell books through comic book ads and get rich. I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. This has been Deep Cuts. If you'd like to find me on the internet, you can do so at heydavebaker.com or xdavebakerx on all the socials. You can find my book, uh, Forest Hills Bootleg Society, wherever books are sold. Or you can uh, get Halloween Boy, the book I'm currently self-publishing and self-serializing on my website, heydavebaker.com. Spandrew, 
Where can people find you? You can find me getting angry that another giant live-in treehouse has opened up a few blocks away and rallying Dave, Zero, Hillsmer, Freddie, and our neighbor John to go start a, a treehouse war where we will battle to the death to retain our treehouse supremacy. And uh, you can't find me on social media because I don't use social media. But if you want to pay your respects to the dear beloved Papa Pricey, you can go to his website, dapricerights.com, and get his book, Deadbolt AI Private Eye. You can also follow us on social media. Go to Facebook, search Deep Cuts, or you can join our Facebook group, Deep, Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group, where we talk about the show and make memes. You can join our Discord server, bit.ly.com slash Discord, where we talk about the show, make memes, talk about other stuff, play games, all that sorts of stuff. You can follow us on Instagram at Deep Cuts Pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Mystery Treehouse. You can uh, go to our website, deepcutspod.com, click on the shop. You can buy t-shirts, hats, all that kind of stuff with Deep Cuts graphics on them. And you can also get our Mystery Treehouse Junior Sleuth shoulder patch. Did it. Done did it. Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content.